Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. What was and wasn't said by London police. Also, country music fans are in mourning, helping small business, a big job shortage, Snemoni Lawrence, and my favorite Super Bowl 58 commercials. The GMH podcast begins now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Do the sexual assault charges against five former Canadian World Junior Hockey players continue to signal that the sport needs a culture shift? As a police officer working in this space for many, many years, I can tell you that this is a difficult, difficult situation for all victims and survivors of sexual violence. That is the chief of police in London, Ty Trong, um, speaking to reporters yesterday in a news conference you heard live on 900 CHML yesterday beginning at 2. And also a part of that news conference, not a lot was said in terms of evidentiary uh, evidence, if you will, but there was an apology that the chief also made to the victim in this case. And so what happens now? Sue Taylor is the executive director of Interval House of Hamilton and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Sue, good morning. Welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me this morning. I want to get your reaction to yesterday's news conference by London Police, which, as I mentioned, included an apology from the chief who said he was sorry that uh, the laying of charges took so long. I think what I want to really point out this morning is that for a very long time, survivors have been doubted, questioned, and silenced. And it is time that the voices are heard. This is long overdue. Is this a scenario of a victim reporting an incident to police, and this individual did so in 2018, and, you know, they investigated it by February 2019. The police moved no further with it, thinking that they weren't expecting to get a, a, a charge or find probable cause to do so. Is is this common? What I can say, and I can't really comment on specifically what happened in that case. I just don't have the details. But what I can say is there are many challenges that survivors face when moving forward. And this is why we saw the hashtag MeToo movement come out, because it was about believing survivors. And this must, and at least in this person's case, and I'm sure this has happened before, this can't be the first time, but this has to be re-victimizing as well, because the, the person was assaulted in, in a particular case, they go to police, they report it, nothing materializes, the culprits aren't caught or charges are not laid, that has to be re-victimized. Well, it's trauma. And when, when a survivor goes through such a substantial assault in their, in their world, the amount of trauma that they're living with is incredible and it will affect their personal relationships work relationships in school so as a sector and as systems we need to come together we need to believe survivors and fully support them on their healing journey and sue is that why so few sexual assaults get reported to police or or part of it is maybe a distrust with police or that anything is going to happen I think survivors have lots of different reasons why they don't go forward everything from just needing you know wanting to believe perhaps seeing friends go through the system and not being believed, the shame and guilt that comes with assault. These are all incredible things that a survivor has to weigh out. And any survivor that goes forward is really showing incredible strength. Sue Taylor is the executive director of Interval House of Hamilton and is uh, a big part of the program Be More Than a Bystander. In fact, February is Be More Than a Bystander Month in Hamilton. This is an initiative that you lead. Are you seeing a positive impact? Um. 
just so you know, in 2023, our program did gender-based violence prevention training to over 2,000 youth in Hamilton. I am a incredible supporter and believer in prevention. We know that there's evidence that supports prevention of gender-based violence and the efficacy of these reports is tremendous. So from my perspective, there needs to be a real investment in the prevention of both time and resources in order for us to actually make real change and disrupt the culture. What's your message to sexual assault survivors? I think my message is, you know, and I mentioned it a bit earlier, we have all been doubted for a long time and we've been questioned and we've been silenced and, you know, find strength, find your journey. We're here to support you. Sue, appreciate the time. I know this is a difficult time, especially for those who have been impacted by this. And um, I thank you for your time this morning. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. Sue Taylor is the executive director of Interval House of Hamilton. Of course, we'll continue to follow this story in particular. The next step in the process happens April 30th when uh, this issue will return to court. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Really sad news this morning. We woke up and heard and learned that Toby Keith has died. He was 62 Statement on the Country Singer's website says Keith, who was battling stomach cancer since 2022, passed away peacefully yesterday, surrounded by his family. So I thought this is a big enough star to talk about with Eric Alper, publicist, music commentator, who joins us now on GMH. Eric, good morning. Good morning. Boy, really sad news. 62, that's too young. It is too young. And look, no matter where you stand politically, you have to admit by the fact that Toby Keith was certainly one of the most popular country music stars growing up. I mean, throughout the 1990s and 2000s, he had 20 number one songs, including I Love This Bar and Red Solo Cup and Courtesy of the Red, White and Blue, among so many others. But it was really his personal life that made him larger than life. I mean, look, he was was an imposing figure anyway i think he was like six four mm-hmm. played semi-pro football before making it in the country music world but he definitely had a voice and he definitely had views about where america should be after 9 11 during the iraq war fighting with other country music artists who didn't agree with him um he certainly lived a, a, a you know a very exciting life if you're Toby Keith a little bit of fighting a little bit of hollering a little bit of hootering as they would say mm-hmm. yeah, well he certainly fit the bill in terms of you know those country superstars who made their voice known through their music but you mentioned from a political front do you, do you think his stance helped or hurt his career or had no impact at all it's interesting you know you would think that in looking at his songs that he would be a staunch Republican, but he actually really wasn't. He was mostly, you know, a conservative Democrat. He he touted for not only President George W. Bush, but also Barack Obama and also Donald Trump. So he was a, a little bit more independent, I think, about what he he kind of stood. Obviously, you know, I think every story is going to mention the fact that after 9-11, he fought very, very publicly with the chicks, then known as the Dixie Chicks, because they were the ones to stand up and say that they were embarrassed that George W. Bush was from their home state of Texas. And certainly Toby had something to say about that because a lot of his songs were very pro-American. Look, courtesy of the red, white and blue, it was like, you know, it's the American way. And he really loved his country, you know, right or wrong. Right. He was one of those country artists um, who felt that the government should lead 
and that the rest of the people should follow. And there's something interesting about that when you're an artist, because sometimes you're going to look back and say, wow, that was really, really wrong. Or sometimes that was really, really right. But in the moment, he absolutely tapped into the nationalistic jingo that a lot of country music lovers loved. Absolutely. We're in discussion with Eric Alper, publicist and music commentator, looking back at the impact that Toby Keith had on the music world as the country music superstar passed away yesterday after a battle with stomach cancer. And you mentioned him being a big USA booster, if you will. And a lot of that came out in his music. He had a lot of songs that praised U.S. military members and and played to that crowd from time to time as well. Yeah, he had an album called Shockin' Y'all which was like a, a kind of, you know, play on that that shock and awe that Bush did during um during the the, the 9/11 campaign and fighting back for it. Um but you know later on though he kind of I'm not going to say that he tempered down his political stance but Later on, when he was starting to have hits like Love Me If You Can and She Never Cried In Front Of Me, um, that got him inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame back in 2015. It was a little bit of shaving around the edges and making it a little bit more pop oriented rather than straight ahead um, country music. And I think he was really proud of that, even though that in the beginning he kind of fought against his record label saying that, well, they wanted to turn me into a, the male version of Shania Twain. They wanted me to bring the whole country music world into the pop world or into the rap world. But he was winning, you know, the, the entertainer of the year at the Academy of of Country Music many, many times. And so I, I think he was able to move country music into his direction that he wanted to do um, the music without changing a lot of it. But certainly he kind of toned down that um, his enthusiasm for putting his love of America into songs. Does he have a song that identifies him? Like when I, when I first learned of this story this morning, the first song that popped into my mind was How Do You Like Me Now, which is way back in 1999. Does he have that one song that when you when you read his name, when you think of Toby Keith, it just jumps off the page? Yeah, I think that's the one. You know, that's the one that became his first song to cross over into the top 40 charts. Um, I really remember, though, um, courtesy of the red, white, and blue, the angry American. I mean, that was back in 2002. Uh, I, I, again, like depending on where you stand with the love of your country um, and how artists should maybe stick to their lane of just writing songs or maybe getting out of politics, however you feel about it. Um, that was the classic um, kind of stereotypical attitude of of country music of like, love your country, right or wrong. Um but, you know, Beer for My Horses, the duet he did with Willie Nelson is yeah. great. Should have been a cowboy. Um, and, uh, you know, just, I mean, his greatest hits album. I think that there's probably a lot of songs that people out there don't think that they know. But if you turn on his greatest hits, you've, you've probably heard a couple of them, at least at a bar in your in your recent past. Absolutely. Tremendous career. Amazing impact on country music and beyond. Eric, thanks for sharing your thoughts on uh, Toby Keith today. Thank you so much for having me. We'll talk soon. Eric Alper is a publicist and music commentator. Keith leaves behind his wife and three children. Uh, He received the Country Icon Award at the 2023 People's Choice Country Awards just in September and actually played at that show. So he was uh, very active in uh, the later stages of his life, that is for sure. And he will surely be missed on a number of amazing songs, 
put Toby Keith on your Spotify and uh, and listen as you uh, drive to work or drive home from work today. You will be thoroughly entertained for sure. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. We've talked from time to time about small business on this program, but perhaps not enough. Because as higher inflation and higher interest rates, uh, those SIBA loan repayments continue to pile up, it's having a big impact on small businesses across this country. And so how can we help? How can governments help? How can other institutions or companies assist these small businesses? Because this is a vital, and I mean vital, component of our economy. Here to walk us through it is Bruce Winder, retail analyst and author of Retail Before, During, and After COVID-19. Bruce, welcome back to Good Morning Hamilton. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, Rick. Thanks for having me on. This is a tough time for small businesses. It really is. It's uh, it's really tough. I mean, when you think about it, they've really had four years of challenges, at least, starting from when the pandemic hit. And then, you know, we had issues with uh, inflation, labor shortages, um, supply chain issues in many cases. You know, the shutdown, obviously, with COVID, a lot of folks didn't qualify as essential services. And then, you know, you've had the SIBA loans having to be repaid. So, you know, if you just repay them now, you've got to if you haven't repaid them, you got to start paying interest every month at 5%. Uh, it's just a really tough time to be a small business. Is this the perfect storm of all perfect storms? I think sadly it is. You know, at least in my lifetime, I haven't heard of any situation where it's been this challenging for small business. And that's why they announced uh, recently, the government announced, I believe, that uh, insolvencies for businesses overall are up about 40%, you know, last year over the year before. Hmm. And and that probably means that, you know, smaller businesses are even bigger than that, even more of an increase. And I just think as a society, we kind of need to remind ourselves that small business is really the engine that kind of keeps the country running. Yeah, and I, I was saying this is a vital component of our economy because 98% of the employers in Canada are small businesses. 60% of the jobs in this country are from small business. Has enough attention and, and help come forward? I don't think it has, really. I mean, I think during the pandemic, there was a nice reach out, you know. Obviously, governments did a decent job with the SIBA loans, and consumers were talking about buying local a lot. But, you know, during during the last little while, you know, we've had a tough economy. Consumers are watching every nickel. And sometimes when you're watching every nickel, you think of the big box stores first because they generally have lower prices But the thing that piqued my interest last week is I noticed that Home Hardware launched a new credit card, and it was designed for pros, small business. And the thing that made made it interesting for me is that, you know, I think we need to do more of this. I think companies need to have almost like a small business discount, not unlike how you'd have a senior's discount at some stores. I I think businesses need to kind of chip in, especially the big ones and try to offer special programs even more than they have now for small business. And I think this card, I think it's Scotiabank that's kind of behind it as well. And and this is, I think, a good opportunity for the big banks who are raking in billions of dollars each quarter to come together to say, hey, we got to help small businesses. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, Scotiabank is behind this and, uh, and Scene Plus and uh, Home Hardware. But, you know, the thing that was interesting is there's no fee. They, they give you a half a million dollar line of credit variable rate. There's all kinds of sweeteners in there. I'm not a finance expert, but there's all kinds of sweeteners in there. And I'm thinking, you know, that could make a difference between a small business making it and not, you know, is these type of products, these type of services. So 
you know, it'd just be nice to see sort of other big businesses maybe jump on this too. Bruce Winter is our guest. Bruce is a retail analyst, author of Retail Before, During, and After COVID-19. You're listening to Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. How much longer can some of these small businesses hang on for? Because as you mentioned, I mean, we had a recent report from Restaurants Canada that said about half of the restaurants in, in this nation, is ba- they're barely breaking even. Yeah, I worry about small business between now and the next few months because I think a lot of folks were hoping that fall of 23 was going to help them, you know, and and fall of 23 was sort of not that great from a sales period. Consumers started tightening their belts. So my fear is that we're going to see a lot more bankruptcies over the next six months, especially before interest rates start to decline. We did talk about interest rates and inflation, the SIBA loans. What about artificial intelligence? A lot has been made about AI and the special things it can do, but it's also impacting small business. Yeah, AI is an interesting one. I mean, you know, I think the jury's still out on exactly how that's going to impact business. Right now, a lot of AI is being used for um, for consumer uh, personalization and looking up information on the web like ChatGPT. I'm not sure how it's going to hit small business. The one thing that may hurt it is that usually bigger businesses have deeper pockets, so they may have a bigger budget to use AI, where small businesses just might not get around to using AI or may not have the money to use it. So they might be at a little bit of a disadvantage for a little while or not. Has the online shopping uh, experience, has that hampered small business, do you think, Bruce? Well, I think it was for a while, but then during the pandemic, everyone got online. Mm. So almost every small business said, you know what, we got to be online because our doors are closed. So I think online shopping is not as much of a, a factor for small business as it was before. I think it's just the, the economics, the math. When you, when you do the math and you look at the gross margins, you know, there's just not enough margin there to, to, to create a bit allow a business to function. Yeah, you're right about that. Bruce, thank you so much for your time this morning. Enjoy the day. Yeah, you too, Rick. Take care. Thanks for having me on. Bruce Winder is a retail analyst and also the author of Retail Before, During, and After COVID-19. Check out that book wherever you get your favorite books. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, this is a bit of a, a bit of a head scratcher, but a bit of a worrying story as well. An organization that represents local manufacturers calling for urgent action to address a skills shortage. This is from the Canadian Manufacturers and Exporters, who says there are currently 23 unfilled manufacturing jobs just in the Hamilton, Niagara area. So the question is, what's being done about it? Dennis Darby is the president and CEO of Canadian Manufacturers and Exporters and joins us now on GMH. Dennis, good morning. Yes, good morning, Rick. Why so many unfilled manufacturing jobs in this part of the province? Well, you know, Hamilton, like uh, like other areas of the province, around uh, Windsor and KW, are really hubs of manufacturing. So right now, there are yeah, almost 2,400 jobs currently unfilled in the, in the Hamilton, Niagara area. And we expect over the next short while, you know, a few hundred more jobs uh, to come online. And that's where really why uh, we did this study and we looked across uh, Canada, across Ontario, to see where the gaps were. Like um, about 18,000, almost 19,000 vacancies in manufacturing across Ontario. And this is something that's been going on for years. We've been tracking this with our members uh, since since well before the pandemic. There has been a a shortage of labor and skilled labor for the manufacturing sector. It's really exacerbated by the pandemic, of course, because, you know, manufacturing 
relies so much on you know, on a steady flow of immigrants to Canada to take those you know, entry-level jobs to work their way up. That stopped for a while. But at the same time, uh, the baby boomers are, are now really into, in the peak of their retirement you know, area. And so for the next 10 years, we expect another 18,000 uh, uh, Ontarians to retire out, baby boomers retiring out of the sector. So that's kind of a perfect storm. At the same time, we haven't really been having enough uh, young people, uh, boys, girls, entering STEM, science, technology, engineering, math. So you know, all those three things together have led to this chronic shortage, which we've been looking at for a number of years. But uh, really, as this whole transformation to EV comes, EVs come and, you know, uh, electric steel, all the all the lovely things that are going to happen in the manufacturing sector, we need the people. Does that mean there's a renewed focus on recruitment or training or everything under the sun? Yes, most most certainly. I mean, co- companies. I mean, it's a you know, it is it is very much a battle for talent in the in the manufacturing sector. Um, and as we polled our members, it's the number one thing that keeps them up at night in terms of their ability to find the people with the skills they need, so they can expand their production, so they they can they can compete. And like I said, b- with this. Uh, you know, with the the EV you know change happening, you know, you've seen the big you know the big uh, investments announced uh, across Ontario. Uh, that's going to put even more pressure on a system that's already uh, short of people. And so we really do need you know to you know, do an, a number of things, both short term and long term, to really sort of refill you know refill the the bucket of of uh, of labor and skilled labor we need to succeed. Do young people, do students not see the manufacturing industry as a sexy career, as a lucrative career? Is that is that the impression well, that they have? Well, well, those two things might be different. Yeah. So is it a is it a good career? You know, um, of course, you know, jobs in, you know, in the trades and uh, technology and engineering, uh, computer programming. These are all, you know, these are good high-paying jobs, you know, in the Hamilton area particularly, historically, these have been long-term, secure jobs, great careers. The image of the industry is probably a little, has been working against us over the last, you know, last, you know, a couple of decades where we moved a lot of kids, we asked kids early in their high school or even in their grade school to stream away from the technology area. We've got to reverse that. The government, you know, we've encouraged the government in Ontario and they have done some work to try to get more uh, more more young people, especially girls, because we're really underrepresented on women in manufacturing, into these because these are high tech jobs. When you walk into a factory today, you know everyone's connected to a tablet or a computer. You're working with a, an interface with a machine, because you know it's not backbreaking. You know work that maybe you know you and I might remember from the past. It's really uh, high tech work, and that's the, so that's that's kind of the long term fix. Let's get more more um, more uh, more young people in. To the into the trades into the technical areas that would be one step to help uh, alleviate the this you know this shortage that's coming you mentioned short-term uh, initiatives as, as well what's on the wish list here so a couple of things one is um you know about a year ago the ontario government um, announced an ontario made investment tax credit this was to help SME, small and medium-sized companies who who are who will be the ones that supply this, 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 this new, te- uh, this new industry of the EV industry uh, in many ways? Um, there was a tax credit for them to do to make capital investments to put in new technology, put in automation. Uh, we were asking the government, can you, can we allow those companies to use that to train, 
train their existing employees. So if you can train your existing employees to get the skills you need to, you know, to run the new equipment, to, to take care of the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the high tech equipment that's going to be needed. Uh, and then you can bring in uh, maybe lesser skilled or younger folks at the, at, you know, at the way on the way in. So basically upskill what you've got. So that's one. The second one is really uh, the working. We've asked the government to really look seriously at its provincial nominee program. So every province uh, has the ability to, uh, basically give its wish list to the government on terms of immigration and say, here's our priority for Ontario. And we've encouraged the government to really make sure they work with employers, especially in, you know, in the Hamilton Niagara region, but as well as the rest of the province on what kinds of skills, Hey, we need more pipe fitters. We need more electricians. We need more, uh, computer programmers. And so really use that as the short-term way to try to bring people in to make up for some of the the lost few years around bringing in uh, uh Im- immigrants and then upskill and then of course long term let's get more uh let's get more uh young people into manufacturing and we can do that in a number of ways we can uh, we run a program called the women in manufacturing program we we invite you know, we get companies to invite schools uh, into their plants just to see what the work is because uh, as you kind of mentioned it's probably not considered the most sexy career but it is where high technology is uh, is, is applied mm-hmm. and i know employee or employer led training initiatives and they have some great ones at arcelor metal defasco for example they do. bring students into the workplace they get exposed to the, the high tech part of manufacturing in this country and it's a, it's a really exciting time dennis we'll have to leave it there really appreciate your time this morning Thank you very much. Have a good day. You too. Dennis Darby is the president and CEO of Canadian Manufacturers and Exporters. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Ticats fans are used to watching all-star linebacker Simone Lawrence dominate on the football field. It may not be football season right now, but this winter, residents in Hamilton could have a chance to see the next best thing in action. That is the city of Hamilton recently holding its annual Name the Snowplow contest, and several great suggestions were nominated, such as Taylor Drift, Better Call Salt, Darth Blader. However, the top vote-getter, and to no one's surprise, was Snowmoney Lawrence, a nod to Hamilton's legendary defender. And the real-life Simone Lawrence joins us now here on Good Morning Hamilton. Sim, good morning. How are you? What's up, Rick? How are you doing? Have you ever had a snowplow named after you? I've never had a snowplow named after me. It's actually pretty funny. It's actually cool. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of the name when you first heard of it? I was like, yo, where did this even come from? I don't even know who did it. Like a bunch of fans all started tweeting me at once. And I was like, who even does the recommendations? Do you know? I have no idea. I was going to ask you if you found out who actually nominated you. (laughs) I have no idea. I just (laughs) see. That my name was on there, and then I went out this weekend, and there was people coming up to me. It was like, "Oh my gosh, you beat out Taylor Swift in the snowplow!" So it's like <laughs> a, it's a real Hamilton thing. Like people are stoked up and juiced up about it. <laughs> you, you mentioned Taylor Swift, and I know one of the plows is called Taylor Drift. What have you made of the Taylor Swift kind of uh, I- explosion in the National Football League? I think it's awesome, you know. What I mean, uh, it, it grows the name, uh, the game to such a great elite level. You think about it. Uh, the way I think about it is like Taylor Swift is coming to a football game, right? She's watching eleven guys on one team, eleven guys on the other team, and she's like, "Oh, this is cool. All these people are coming to watch these football players play. That's kind of cute." And then she comes to the stadium and she sells it out all by herself. 
<laughs> so it's like, you know, big bank takes little bank. You know how it is. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Simone Lawrence is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. If this snowplow is as good at clearing snow than you are crushing opposing offenses, Hamilton snow clearing efforts are in pretty good shape. Are you going to be able to drive this thing or at least ride in it? I don't know. The mayor tweeted me the other day. I, I should send her a DM and say, like, yo, should we, like, drive together and, and clear some snow? But, like, the weather's been pretty amazing, so I don't know if we'll get to do that. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, I don't know. Like, it has to be a record holder. Like, must clear the most snow ever in Hamilton history if it's, if it's similar <laughs> to me, right? I think so. Yeah, all we need is some snow, really. <laughs> right. Um, apart from that, how's your offseason going? What have you been up to? Off season's going well. Um, in a little bit here, I'm going to Players Paradise to go train with my trainer Adam, and we're just working, getting after it. You know, getting ready for another season. Has it become easier getting ready for the next season as you have aged? And I'm not, this is not an ageism <laughs> thing, but you you know how to work out better. I guess is it is it easier from that standpoint? For sure. The thing is, you just got to make sure the body's always ready to go. And, you know, I go to this place called Moto Yoga at least like six times a week. And, you know, it's it's done wonders for my body and letting me take the extensive training that I do. And then I have an amazing doctor, Adam, that's out there in Oakville that I work with. I'll go see him at least twice a week. And it's all about taking care of the body. Like when I was younger, I was just like, Er, let's go <laughs> like whatever happens happens but now i'm way more aware of like what i'm putting in my body and what i'm doing to my body for sure i was watching one of your yoga videos and you're like standing and like grabbing your foot and you're like fully extending your leg like how is this possible sometimes i ask myself that as well i was <laughs> So one time I'm in yoga, hanging out at Modo, and then everybody's doing it, right? And I'm like, yo, I can do this. I can't sit in the front of class and not at least try it. So I tried it, and I did, and I was like, oh, I can do this. So it was, you know, a little bit of trial trial and error a little bit, but I would like the, everybody to know that I got it on the first time. <laughs> <laughs> How We've heard, like, hockey players try yoga or hot yoga. How does it help you? Uh, it works muscles that you don't know that you need until you get hurt and realize that you need, right? Because, you know, we play football and, like, we always lift in to, like, get stronger, like big biceps, uh, core muscles, uh, doing bench press, Olympic lifts and stuff. But we never take our time to do, like, you know, those little bar classes, work on those little mini muscles that you need to get all the big muscles firing and then another thing about it is like the first thing that loses like i noticed that football players lose when they get older is like their change of direction and their speed and that all comes from flexibility right so you want to stay as flexible as possible and that's what i've been able to do throughout my whole career it's uh, it's exciting times in Ticats land and obviously free agency coming in about a week. We won't really get into that, but I uh, really wanted to thank you for your time. Congrats on winning the Name the Snowplow contest. Can't wait to see it on the road. I mean, we don't want to see a lot of snow, but can't wait to see it on the road. Hey, and, and when I'm driving, I'm coming to your house and I'll plow all the snow for you. I got you back. <laughs> I appreciate it. Simone, thanks for the time today. Of course. Have a great one. Can you imagine... Seeing Simone Lawrence driving this snowplow on a snowy street in Hamilton. Listen, guys, I'm clearing this neighborhood tonight. This is all on me. Let's let's do this. And driving Simone Lawrence up and down Main Street or King, that would be a sight to see. 
Absolutely. 1,041 votes for Snemoni Lawrence, by far and away the champion of 2024. Taylor Drift, which yeah, it was a good name, 633 votes. And Say It Ain't Snow, 449. Rounding up the top 10, Plowabunga, Fast and Flurious, Coots, Plowadice, Better Call Salt, Holy Mackenthal, Number 9, Sled Zeppelin, and in at 10, Darth Blader. This is a unique contest, and it's going to continue for years to come. There's a lot of snow plows today. I think they're going to do like 100. So in the next, I don't know, eight years, we're going to continue to do this, which is it's kind of neat, kind of fun. Some unique suggestions have been shared. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. You know, there is a big football game coming up this Sunday. Super Bowl 58, Las Vegas, Nevada. It is the Kansas City Chiefs, the San Francisco 49ers. Lots of excitement as Patrick Mahomes goes after another Super Bowl ring. Andy Reid trying to get another one as well. Travis Kelsey, the Taylor Swift scenario. The San Francisco 49ers, I'm sure, feeling disrespected as a lot of the attention is on the other team. I know San Francisco players already complaining about the practice field the other day. It's not looking like they're too happy about things. And apart from the football, we will certainly be entertained by the Super Bowl halftime show, the the sports betting that go along with it, if you're into that, as well as Super Bowl commercials. For many, it is the highlight of Super Bowl Sunday. And for advertisers, boy, oh boy, wasn't that long ago I remember reading that, oh, this year's Super Bowl commercials are going to be a million dollars. I was thinking, wow, a million dollars for 30 seconds, that's a lot of money. Well, fast forward to today, and it's $7 million. It's an exorbitant amount of money. And these companies, a lot of them, will make that and then some back because of all the eyeballs, tens of millions of eyeballs on Super Bowl Sunday. And so you really want your commercial to stand out. And we've seen that over the years, whether it is, you know, a a heartfelt message. Many of them are funny, something inspiring. Well, today I thought I'd go through at least the ones that I've seen right now, because not all of them have been shown. But a lot of the Super Bowl ads have been shared. I was going to say leaked, but I mean, these are companies actually proactively sharing their commercials ahead of Sunday. And so the top four that I've seen thus far, and they are, there's a lot of really good ones. But these four to me are really, really good. Including this commercial from Booking.com. And each commercial, it's kind of funny. It's almost like a miniseries or a TV series. Each commercial has a name. So from Booking.com, here is Book Whoever You Want to Be. With so many choices on Booking.com, there are so many Tina Fey's I could be. So I hired body doubles to help me out. Splurgy Tina loves a hotel near Rodeo Drive. Oh, Tina. Wild Tina booked a farm stay to ride this horse. Glenn Close? With millions of possibilities. You can book whoever you want to be. That's my line. Booking.com. Booking time. Yeah. Star-studded commercial features Tina Fey, Glenn Close, Jane Krakowski, and Jack McBrayer. It is a good one. Also, top shelf stuff, Couch Potato Farms from Pluto TV. This here, this is Pluto TV country. Here on this farm, we grow couch potatoes. Couch potatoes grow big and strong here. 
fed with the finest content for Pluto TV. Thousands of TV shows and movies for free. You just open the app, something great will be on. I love Star Trek. Ugh, I love romance, but I also love murder. I like romantic murders. SpongeBob SquarePants. Cats 24-7 channel. I love Ink Master. Pluto TV just gets me. I like anything where a hot person <laughs> throws a glass of wine at another hot person. <laughs> We're living in a golden age of television. Looks like that Pluto TV romance channel's got those taters right in their feelings. Got you too, huh? You just can't beat that type of on-screen chemistry. Oh, this country was raised on TV. TV that was easy. TV that was free. Pluto TV is TV the way it's supposed to be. That's a good one. The first Super Bowl ad for the free TV streaming platform. And then there's this from Paramount+. Plus. On Paramount Mountain, the stakes get higher. <sighs> I mean, I, I can't get that thing up there. If it were a football, I'd be able to reach the top. What about a football-shaped head? We throw the child. Gutsy call, sir. Smart thinking. What? No, that's dumb thinking. He's not throwing Arnold. Throw him. Throw him. Throw him. Throw him. Hey, do you throw. want an immunity idol? Throw What? You can't throw a child at a wall. Lattimore, shut your face! Shut Unless you prefer to freeze to death. I'm not going to throw a kid. Not built for the moment, I see. Fine. I'll throw him. And Creed's here. Watch and learn. Dang, he's cool. It's the fifth quarter, and we need a hole-in-one before the seventh inning stretch. Be brave. Pepep. I just threw him higher To a place where we won't freeze He just threw me higher So close. How are we going to get up there? Now, if there were only someone made of pigskin. Bingo. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's certainly one of the better ones on Super Bowl Sunday. But my favorite Super Bowl commercial that you're going to see on Sunday is from Uber Eats, and it stars David and Victoria Beckham. So David and I are going to be in a little commercial. Be honest. Be I am. honest. Okay, it's a big commercial. Tell them what it's during. David, I'm trying. No, tell them what it's during. I'm tr- okay, it's during the big baseball game. Super big baseball game. Oh, was it the hockey ball? Hockey, hockey ball. Oh, and tell them about Jessica Aniston. <gasps> Jessica Aniston is going to be in it too. Thank you. We love Jessica. We love Jessica. Amazing. Recreating the viral moment from David's recent documentary in his 35-second spot for Uber Eats. It is fantastic. Other Super Bowl commercials will be uh, featuring soccer icon Lionel Messi, Hall of Fame quarterback Dan Marino, 
uh, Martin Lawrence, Hall of Fame tight end Shannon Sharp. There's Chris Jenner and SNL alumni Kate McKinnon and Pete Davidson also starring in some commercials. And yes, the Clydesdales are back for another heartwarming ad from Budweiser. Don't you fret. Coming up, we're going to talk to not Snemonia Lawrence, but Simone Lawrence about his newest honor. That's next on GMH on 900 CHML. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.